Good evening, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> and this is a special shiur that we are going to have about Purim. Uh, this year is dedicated in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman Zichrono Livracha by his loving family. And the family always supports the Web Yeshiva, the Sheyur, on uh, special uh, special days, on Chagim. On Chagim. So the topic, the actual topic is Eretz Yisrael Bavel. How does it all fit together? Eretz Israel, Babel, Babylonia, and the two days of the holiday of Purim, the two days, which are divided between people who live in unwalled cities and who people who believe in walled cities. And the walled cities could have been walled years ago, but we still consider them to be walled cities. So let's start by looking at the first Mishnah in um, by looking at the first Mishnah in Megillah, which really gives us pretty much everything we want to know. Everything we want to know. Let me just get. Uh, so the Mishnah says this. The Mishnah says this. You you. You see the big word Megillah? Megillah, you know, the Megillah is what we read on Purim, the scroll that contains the story. Nikrate, Megillah, Nikrate, you can read the Megillah of the uh, Yud Aleph, Yud Bet, Yud Gimel, Yud Dalet, Tetvav, and all of these days of Elul, of, of Adar, excuse me, of all of these days of Adar. That's it. Five days, five days, and we know we know that the problem here is that it's hard to for, for the people who live in uh, small towns or in out of the way places. It's often hard for them to find somebody to read the Megillah, and it's uh, difficult for them to get the minion together on Purim. Because you know that Purim is not a holiday that has, or is a holiday that does not have Isurei uh, Melacha, forbidden deeds that you can't do, which keep you at home or keep you quiet or keep you raring to go and do whatever the mitzvot are. So again, what it really says is we would like everybody to read the Megillah either on Yudalit or on Tetvav. And sometimes we have to move your dollar around a little bit. Okay. I mean, this may not make a lot of sense. Why isn't this true for other mitzvot? What is the background? How did it happen? What were the Chachamim thinking? But we're not going to get into all of that. We're going to get into the next line in the in the Mishnah. The next line begins with this with these words. Just a second. Krachim amukaf kafin oma. Krachim a cities. It could be in town. The mukafim choma that are surrounded by a a wall. Miyamot Yoshua bin Nun from the days the wall 
exist, existed at the time of Yoshua Benun. It may not exist today, but it existed then, at that time. Korim Vav. All of those people who are in a city that had a wall that surrounded it at the time of Yoshua Benun, they read on the 15th. Everybody else reads on the 14th. Um, of course, one of those cities that had a wall around it at the time of Yeshua Benun is the city called Yerushalayim. Right? Yerushalayim is a walled city, and it was a walled city. And uh, that's the reason that we read the Megillah on the 15th in Yerushalayim, and the holiday of Purim is, separate, is celebrated on the 15th. Right, where for the rest of the world, like all the people in Tel Aviv or Haifa, they celebrate on the 14th, and they read the Megillah on the 14th, which is certainly a little curious, but what, pray, does Yoshua bin Nun have to do with Purim? I mean, we know that Purim was somehow connected to Ajikneset Agdola, which was the time that the Jews started returning from their exile in Babylonia back to Eretz Yisrael. Although I can't give you the exact dates, it's a little bit difficult, but we seem to say that it was after 535 BCE when the Jews started returning and when Koresh, Cyrus, the king of, of uh, Persia, gave the Jews permission to go back and to build the temple. I mean, he had a certain idea. I mean, after all, the problem, you know, everybody has the same problem throughout history. What do I do after I conquer them? How do I get them to remain docile at accepting of authority? And that was always, that was always a problem, so that the Vuchadnezar, who was the king, of Babylonia that exiled the Jews from Eretz Yisrael. His theory apparently was, if you move the population to a new place, they're just not gonna be that interested in fomenting a, a, a revolution. The revolutions come from places where the people love the country that they're in where they wanted to be a pure place that it was. So the Vuchadnezzar said, I'll move them out. I'll take all the Jews in, in Israel or in Palestine, and I'll move them to Babylonia. And in Babylonia, they'll just be another minority, and that will keep everything, everything under control. Horesh Cyrus, who inherited the mantle of the Babylonians and became the ruler of the world that was created by the Babylonians. He was a Persian. His theory was that if you would allow people freedom of religion, freedom to maintain their particular religion, that that would somehow keep everybody quiet. And so Cyrus decided to let the Jews go back to Eretz Israel and to be involved with rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash. And he was certain that that activity and that rebuilding would keep everybody quiet and more or less happy 
about this situation, they wouldn't have any difficulty collecting the tax that they wanted wanted to collect. So the Jews are coming back. Uh, that's the time when they're coming back to Eretz Israel, and something cataclytic happens in Persia. Achashverosh uh, and Haman. They 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 decide they're going to do away with the Jews. Uh, why would they do such a thing? And uh, well, I suppose, I suppose as we see, you know, fear is uh, an element that is part of the the relationship that you have with the superior power. And it's important for that superior power, according to certain ideas, certain thoughts, to maintain the fear. And so you pick on a group. The group may not be significant, it may not be fomenting a revolution, but the the group is uh, small enough and docile enough to destroy. And by destroying the group, you're strengthening your hold on the on all of the conquered nations. And according to the Megillah, there were 127 nations that were part of the uh, the part of Ahasuerus's union. Uh, so, so they decided to kill the Jews. Uh, it looks like from reading the Megillah again that they decided to kill the Jews in Persia, in Persia, near the, where everybody could see the, uh, the action of the kingship and the result, the resultant of, of that activity was to put a new level of fear in the, in the other nations who was subject, subject to Ahasuerus's kingship. And, uh, in some manner or other, right, the, there was a miracle. And uh, it turned out that killing the Jews was not effective because it would have probably gained power for Haman. And Ahasuerus realized that. And somehow he couldn't deal with it himself, but he could deal with it by giving the Jews the right to defend themselves and to fight back against the Haman supporters. And that's the end of the story, except for the fact that uh, Mordechai gains popularity and he becomes, he's elevated in place of, of Haman. And Esther becomes really the queen of, of Persia. I'd elevated in place of Vashti. And you have to know that the, the, the tensions in the book of, of Esther, the story, the story of the book of Esther is about Ahasuerus, but you know, not in an obvious manner, but again and again, trying to establish his dominance in the court of the king. And so what what he wanted to do was to replace a well-known queen figure like Vashti 
with an unknown figure like Esther, who didn't even have hijos, like she didn't have, didn't come from a particular family. She didn't want to tell anybody what her name was and what which family she came from. And Mordechai, who was a Jew, and we know that you know he was a noticeable Jew apparently. And therefore, none of these people could be expected. These people, Mordechai and Esther, could be expected to have an independent kind of uh, position in the Persian community. They were just people who were very clever and were able to, to work hard and make valuable contributions. But Ahasuerus was correct in thinking that they would not start a revolution against him as Vashti and or Haman actually did. But all of this is taking place in Persia as far as we know and has something to do with Persians. Something to do with Persians. Meanwhile, in Eretz Israel, and again, I can't tell you the dates. I leave that out to somebody who's more expert than I am. The dates are difficult. Dates are difficult. So we know from the Megillah that there was an active Anshei Knesset members of the the great assembly, right? The, the wisest people of, the wisest of the Jewish people who met in Yerushalayim. And at the end, Mordechai and Esther turned to them and asked to be proclaimed a holiday, a holiday for all. And I mean, it was probably true that before the Purim was declared a holiday, the people involved, the people who were saved, who felt their salvation came through Mordechai and Esther, it's probably true that they celebrated annually the day of their victory. And so if the victory sort of happened on two different days, on the 14th and the 15th, and the celebration was always the day after. Well, I'm sure that they did that even before Purim was declared a national holiday. So Mordechai and Esther asked the Anshik Nesedagdola, the people who, in the great assembly, you know, those wise people who knew, knew a lot of Torah and were able to determined things of this nature, they said to them, make our day a forever kind of day. Every year, people will celebrate. will celebrate the victory of Mordechai and Esther over Hashverosh and or Haman. That's what they wanted and that's what they got. However, they didn't ask for, I mean, it was true that they probably celebrated at that time on two days, on the 14th or the 15th, but it didn't say in the Megillah or in, in the Gemara that they asked for that. I imagine that, that, that 
to a certain extent, uh, Mordechai and Esther thought that the Anshe Knesset Agdola, that those people would establish a day, a day, as the day forever, that would remain forever. Right up to that time, the celebration was on two different days because the victory was on two different days and the people, each group of people remembered that victory. And in Eretz Yisrael, they said, no, is we're going to make it something special, a two-day holiday, not two days, but two different days celebrated by two different groups, each of whom was commemorating a day, but neither of them was commemorating two days. I think it's reasonable to ask why. Why did they do that? Not only did they do that, but they made a connection between the two-day celebration, according to the Mishnah, Miyamot Yoshua Binun. From the time of Yoshua Binun, Yoshua Binun came to Eretz Kenaan after Moshe Rabbeinu died, led the Jews the victory in many cases, in many, many events, led the Jews to a kind of a victory. And that was that was the end of what Yoshua bin Nun did. And he lived, I don't know, you know, hundreds of years before Purim, hundreds of years before the Babylonian exile. What pray does Yoshua bin Nun have to do? So I have something to say about that, but I, I, I wanted to look at with you, if we could, at the summary of the run. Summary of the run, the run was like a 15th century, uh, 15th century, a commentary who, who liked to summarize things. He liked to put the, and he wrote this rather lengthy commentary on the Rif. The Rif Yitzhakofasi, that's the time of the Rambam. He was perhaps a teacher of the, he was the Rebbe of the father of the Rambam. And the Rambam held him in high esteem. The Rif. The Ran wrote a commentary, a commentary which in the, the Vilda Shas is printed on pages that look like a Gemara. So the Rif used the Gemara and the Ran commentated on it. And we're going to try to understand what the Ran, how the Ran looked at it. And that'll help us to create something of an independent, uh, but the Ran will help us. Yeshkan She'ela, you see the Ran. is going to be, I know there is some way to make it bigger. Uh, just a second. Well, that sounds, that's good though. Not, that's so good. I have to, one second. Okay, Yeshkan Sheila, you see it? Again, the men of the great assembly, why did they decide 
is the run. Why they decide lachlok mitzvah zo to divide this mitzvah up into two yamim halukim, to two distinct days. Some people celebrate on the 14th of Adar, and some people on the 15th of Adar. We have him Chalukim, two different days. Ule Kivoa Yom Yuchad Le Prazim, Yom Yuchad Le Prachim. So we divide up, right? There are there are uh, some people who celebrate on Prazim. Prazim means cities without a wall around them just like regular cities right you drive in you don't have to always go through a wall and another day le le to cities with a wall no other mitzvah is treated this way and here is the ran saying i can't understand it didn't they know this simple thing that Everybody else celebrates whatever it is on the same day. There's nothing that's divided up into two days. Shareya Torah Amra, it says in the Torah itself, Torah Achat Mishpat Achad, that the Torah is like one. It represents a kind of unity. It's not just Shema Yisrael, but the Torah itself. So why would you add on to the Torah in a Different the way. See those words, Yeshlomar. Yeshlomar is like the the beginning of an answer. We can say, we can say the following. The the Jews that were in the Prazot, the open city, the cities without without a wall. And the Jews that were in the city of Shushan, Nahu they rested on the fifteenth day, Asu they stay on their own. Everybody on their own, on the day that they rested, they did mishteh v'simcha, they made a party. They they induced simcha, simcha joy. L'fikach, therefore, g'shekavu alehem yom tov l'dorot, when they decided to have a special day, l'dorot, he doesn't mention the fact that it was the object that's an egdolah, but maybe it continues from the beginning. And and so it turned out, according to the Ran, according to the Ran, that this was just an imitation of reality. It's not that the Anshayi Ketesedagdolah decided to have a two-day holiday with some people on one day and other people on the other day, but that decision was made, as I pointed out to you, by the people themselves. The people on the first day of Pesach, on the victory year of Pesach, 
they rested on two different days because the day of Shushan was different than the day of the other the other cities. And therefore, there were people who rested on Yudal, and the people who rested on Tedvav. Because there were people who did that, Rajik Tesla said, okay, that seems to be the way the holiday is constructed or construed. When we say Purim, this is what we mean. We mean some people on day one and some people on day on day two. Right? And and that's in spite of the fact, you see the parentheses, in spite of the fact that Shushan is not surrounded, the city of Shushan was not surrounded by a wall, but it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference how they divided. That's a different question. But the fact that they divided the 14th and 15th, that's, that's the truth. Then he says, Mivnei Sheba Haya Ikar because the miracle of the military victory took place in Shushan. So Shushan gets special consideration. Shushan gets special consideration. <laughs> if you will come and ask, Tema the Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, the Baba Gemara, he quotes Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, who said that the Mukafim Chomami Botachashverosh Talia Milsa. That's what the Mishnah should have said. The Mishnah said, "Okay, you want to divide it up into Mukafot Chomar, surrounded by a wall and not surrounded by a wall." So in such a case, you should have said, "You should have said Botachashverosh Talia Milsa that." It's the, it's the cities like a Hashverosh are this kind of cities, right? The time of Hashverosh we divided up. Avalitana the Matznit in the Amar, Miyamot Yoshua Benun. So that's Rabbi Yoshua Ben Karkov. Tana the Matznit means the Tana that wrote the Mishnah. Miyamot Yoshua Benun. Halo Damya Lishushan. Halo Damya Lishushan. It's not like Shushan. Why did they decide that the 15th, that would be the 15th for the Shushanites? Yes, Lomar, the Hainutama, that the reason for this is, that's what the Gemara says. This, of course, is uh, hard to interpret. The words mean to give proper honor, proper honor to Eretz Yisrael. I don't know what it means, but it sounds like it sounds like what it means is that if there's no Eretz Yisrael component to the celebration of Purim, then you're not giving due honor to Eretz Yisrael. But, but what does that mean? I mean, it didn't happen in Eretz Yisrael. How could you invent? How could you invent something that never happened and celebrate it? I mean, Mela, you know, we have all kinds of people who, who are you know, unhappy about tradition. Who say that the traditions are uh, are often mistaken and unclear, etc. But here, there's no argument. 
that there's no tradition of Purim originating in Eretz Yisrael. So why did they do that? Yeshlo, you see, Yeshlo, he's already said Yeshlo about three times. Keeps asking questions and answering them. Yeshlo, the Hainu Talmud, Kedel, Lachlok, Havod, Laeretz, Yisrael, Kedel, Garcido, the Yerushalmi. And he quotes the Yerushalmi, right? Which, you know, usually we look up, but we don't actually learn too much. Rabbi Simon, Beshem Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Amar, Kedel, Lachlok, Havod, Laeretz, Yisrael, again. It's in a Gemara. It's in the Yerushalmi that the Chachamim, their interest was to give kavod la'eretz Yisrael, to say as though, well, this happened in Persia and it also happened in Eretz Yisrael. Right? Ran, quoting the Gemara, says, what about Eretz Yisrael? Well, it was a destroyed country. The Babylonians destroyed it, right? He says, I'm sorry. It was it. Eretz Israel was kind of a destroyed country, and they said this is kavod for Eretz Israel, and you have to remember Yeshua Binun. You have to remember Yeshua Binun. The Peirushayinyan. Here's the Ran. The Ran is going to summarize the whole story of Purim as he understands it. As he understands it. Perish Ainyan Shekevansha Hutsri Hulachlok Bain Mukafim Mukafim. And since it was necessary to distinguish between those places that had a war, those places that didn't have a war, Kishem Shinechlika Shushan. Misha'ar Ayarot, and that's the way we understand the difference between Shushan and the other cities, right? The other cities were one group, and Shushan was another another group. Elu Talah Hadavar Biyemot Hashverosh, Aita Eretz Yisrael. If we would have said that we have to celebrate, we have to celebrate those cities. They had walls around them from the time of Achashverosh, Aita Eretz Yisrael, Shaita Chareva Botana Yavin, Nidonet Kiprazim. If that were true, if we would have said, let's just start from the time of Achashverosh. So you have to know that Eretz Yisrael was destroyed, was a destroyed country at that time. And they didn't have any walled cities in. In Eretz Yisrael, so all the cities in Eretz Yisrael would would have the would have the uh, standing of cities without walls. And that would be insulting to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore. Chachamim, in order to avoid this insulting position, connected the kiyum of Purim, the doing of Purim, to uh, to the days of Yoshua Benun, when the, so the country was not destroyed. 
כדי שתהי נידונת ככרכים, in order that, that it should be, Eretz Yisrael should be, should be a place in which the cities, נידונת ככרכים, שאף על פי שעכשיו אין להם חומה, כיוון שהייתה מוקפת מימות יהושע בנון, הרי דינה כאילו יש בחומה, even today. So, כאילו יש בחומה, so that the, we look at the cities in Eretz Yisrael, and of course, מוקפת חומה is complementary, and we have many cities that are מוקפת חומה, wow, they don't have a חומה now, but at the time of Yeshua bin Nun, they had a choma, and that's the achievement of, of, uh, of uh, the Achikves Bagdola. So the question that Miriam, that, that, I'm sorry, the question that Esther and, uh, and Mordechai asked was, can you give us a kind of permanent status? And so they said, well, we could give you a permanent status, but we have to take care of a problem. And the problem is, that Eretz Yisrael doesn't look good with the regular division. So we think what we should do is we should divide between walled cities and unwalled and non-walled cities. But besides that division, we have to make Eretz Yisrael a place that's full of walled cities, full of walled cities. And so we'll start from Yeshua Benun. At the time Yeshua Benun came into Eretz Yisrael, there were many walled cities in Eretz Yisrael that they had to, that the conquer had Armenia by Gemara, and he quotes the Gemara in Dapei, Afobisha Ein Lachshav, Vayalo Kodem Lechein, doesn't have a wall now, but it had a wall once, Vafilu Manda Omar, Kedusha Rishoto Kicho Lishato, Velo Kicho Latid Lavo, and this even works according to the opinion that says, Kedusha Rishona, this is an important thing to understand in the context of Purim. Eretz Yisrael is Mikudeshet. Mikudeshet might mean, might mean there are mitzvahs that you could do in Eretz Yisrael and only in Eretz Yisrael. And the mitzvahs that we say, So Kedusha, Kedusha might be understood as relating your action, your daily action. I mean, you, you give trumot and masrot, they're kind of in the category of tzedakah. You give, you give it, but by doing it, you're, you're not only doing the action, you are accepting the dominion of God. You're accepting what God wants you to do. So according to Chazal, the way Chazal understood it, because I understood that you became, in order to to achieve a kedusha, to achieve kedusha, had to go through a process of kibush and nachla. Kibush took seven years to conquer the land. It took another seven years to divide it up and to give everybody their due. And the third seven years created a kedusha. Created kedusha, and all the mitzvot had to be had to be done at the third in the third seven years the third seven years so 
since the Kedusha or the entree to Kedusha was made by Kibush and not well by conquering the land and then settling it, since that was the that was the case with the when the Assyrians and then the Babylonians usurped those two things. They took away the Dakala, right? They chased people out of their homes. And then they took away the Kibush. They were no longer the dominant form. So here is the Ran. And the Ran says, if you go back a few words, even if you'll say, even if you'll say that Kedusha Rishona, right, that Yoshua ben Nun did, Kedusha was temporary. And he did not create the Kedusha for the future. Uh, kama ayarot shivhu Okay, we'll we'll leave that for a moment. So we see we see that uh, that if you would leave out Eretz Yisrael, if you would re relate to Purim in in a manner of saying that Eretz Yisrael is a destroyed country, how would you say that? You say, well, there are no cities, there are no walled cities. Everything has been destroyed. And, and everything that was built up before was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia. And we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to do that. So, so we said Yoshua Binun. We said Yoshua Binun. So that's the story that the Ran tells in in this uh, the matter of fourteen and fifteen and Yoshua Binun. But I'd like to make an addition, if I may. The problem of Judaism in the diaspora versus Judaism in Eretz Israel is, is, is not new. It, it's something that existed with us since the Babylonian exile. Since the Babylonian exile, we've had a choice. We could live in Chutzlaris, we could live in Eretz Israel. And sometimes, it looked like life in Chutzlaret was far better than life in Eretz Yisrael, but sometimes the, the, the opposite. Sometimes the opposite. But the first time, the first time that this problem became a major issue for the Jewish people was at the time of Ezra. When the Ezra collected a group of Jews, not a very big group, but he collected a group of Jews, and they went back to Eretz Israel to reestablish the institutions and the the Torah learning that that a Jewish community needed so much. 
the world of Ezra is a worthy world to look into. Along came Purim, and Purim said, Purim said, can you have divine intervention in the diaspora? Yes. Can you depend on your faith in God? Yes. Will that faith be answered even though it might not be noted? Yes, of course. It's all true. And so Purim, Purim is a holiday that could be called anti, anti-Israel. Anti-Israel. Because Purim said, you don't have to go to Eretz Yisrael. You could have Mordechai. You could have Esther. Right, even though they're doing things that seem to be very remarkable and very involved in in in, in a world that we don't re- don't uh, recognize for its value. Nevertheless, you see that Mordechai and Esther were able to negotiate with Hashverosh and Haman and be victorious. So when Mordechai and Esther said Kiva Unilidorot. They may have intended, they may have intended to make a holiday of the diaspora. I mean, what would a holiday of the diaspora look like? It wouldn't just be the holiday in, that you make in the diaspora. That's okay. I mean, you could always be happy about good things that happen. But the holiday of the diaspora would say it's only for the diaspora. The diaspora are like a kind of an independent nation they live alone on purim they live on purim and purim is a wonderful story if you've never done it try teaching the purim story to a child i love it i love you imagine horses and costumes and queens and kings i mean it's your most wondrous story a story that didn't happen in Eretz Yisrael. The Chachamim, the Anshei Knesset Agdola, whose seat was in Yerushalayim, they're the ones who said two things. One is that the holiday of Purim should be two, give, uh, two days. Because the victory was at two days, even though it had nothing to do with walled cities. But they used the walled city distinction in order to indicate that Eretz Israel is somehow important, even if Eretz Israel is not included in the action, so to speak. With that, saying that Eretz Israel was involved in the battles in Persia. No, we're not saying that. What we're saying is that the proper way for a Jew to demand independence, for a Jew to demand his own his own future and his own reality is for the Jew in the diaspora to remember that it's always connected 
to Eretz Yisrael. And in order to make it connected to Eretz Yisrael, they invented this interesting idea of Yoshua Binun. And we know that Yoshua Binun is the one that created Kedusha to Eretz Yisrael, the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael. And the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael cannot be duplicated in Chutzlars. Yes, we can make believe. We can make believe we're taking true mode. We can make believe that we're doing those kinds of mitzvot. But we can't really do them because there's no kedusha in Chutz Laaretz, only in Eretz Yisrael. Only in Eretz Yisrael. So the Anshay Knesset Gedola response to Mordechai and Esther was, okay, if only the Dorot, we could have a permanent uh, Purim celebration. But you have to include Eretz Yisrael, and this is our suggestion. And that's how it was. And that's how it is. To this very day, Eretz Yisrael is part of the celebration of Purim, part of the celebration of Purim. And that's why the Chachamim said, Remote Yoshua Benun, a walled city for the time of Yoshua Benun. All the best. Have a wonderful Shabbos.